NFL Super Wildcard Weekend. It is here. It's going to be an incredible weekend of games. Loads of matchups that look really good on paper, some which look tricky and you want to avoid. I'm going to help you work out which ones you can bypass, which ones you want to heavily target, and let's get on to another winning weekend. Cleveland at Houston. 44.5 over under, right kind of in the middle of the six games, really. We've got some below it and some above it. And it's going to be a really interesting game because this is two games with two quarterbacks who are just really coming in hot. You know, Joe Flacco, is anybody hotter than Joe Flacco right now? Between weeks 14 to 17, he's averaging 340 passing yards per game with 2.8 touchdowns per game. It's just been ridiculous. And meanwhile, CJ Stroud came back and looked every bit the sort of offensive rookie of the year that he is when he got back from his concussion. He did miss the week 16 game when the two teams played, and that was a real shame for them. And it was also a game where Will Anderson missed. So the Texans really struggled to bring pressure on Flacco. He only got pressured on six of 43 dropbacks that day. And that, in some ways, helped him have an absolute monster day. It was the game where Amari Cooper went off. He had 40.5 PPR points, 265 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. For context, Deshaun Watson only has one game with 260 yards and two touchdowns in the last two years. And Amari Cooper went out and put those numbers up himself. I feel plenty confident about Amari Cooper for this game. There's no reason to believe that the Texans are suddenly going to be able to shut Cooper down. And part of that is because their cornerbacks, they don't really like to shadow wide receivers. Derek Stingley tends to play on the right-hand side and then Steven Nelson on the other side. And that's where he's been an issue. I think what we're going to end up seeing is plenty of play action for Joe Flacco again. He's been elite at that. And we're going to see those big deep shots down to Amari Cooper on the left-hand side of the field. Uh, in terms of other players for this game, Elijah Moore, it's really tricky to play Elijah Moore in any game when Amari Cooper's playing because quite often he just doesn't seem to put up the same numbers that he does when Amari Cooper's limited or injured or not in the game at all. Instead, I'd probably go back to David Njoku, who's been a top six tight end in the last four games. He's had 39 targets in those four games. He scored touchdowns in all but one of those. Um, the Texans, they really struggle defending the, uh, the tight end position. They've given up the fourth most fantasy points to the tight end position this year it's really been a position that they've struggled against and Njoku is as hot as any tight end in the league right now on the other side of the ball I think that the Texans game again it comes back to the passing game CJ Stroud we know how good he is we know how good he's been all year and Nico Collins he's had eight or more targets in five of the last seven games sounds like Denzel Ward avoided a serious knee injury today, but there's a good chance that he's going to be playing banged up. That's going to make his life more difficult. Again, the Browns aren't a team who want a shadow coverage all the time. It's just not something that either of these defenses like to do. What they do do, though, is play a lot of single high safety looks, and CJ Stroud has been excellent against them. I think we're going to need Noah Brown to be healthy in play for Nico Collins to really take advantage of those looks. But I have no problem with CJ Stroud stacks and Nico Collins stacks. Dalton Schultz is somebody who's kind of vaguely interesting, but the Browns are getting back safety Grant Delpit. And he's somebody who they use to take away those kind of that middle area of the field sometimes and take away the tight end look. Mark Andrews is the only tight end to have had a really good fantasy day against the Browns whilst Grant say whilst Grant Delpit has been playing this year. The running games on both sides aren't particularly interesting to me. I think 
you look at Jerome Ford and he's had no more than 15 rush attempts since week 10. And in three of the last four games, Jerome Ford's been held under 35 total yards. Meanwhile, Kareem Hunt, week 16 and 17, he scored touchdowns in both games, but still finished under 10 points. Damian Pierce, zero touches last week, only played on special teams. That was a must-win game for the Jags, uh, for the Texans, and they told you exactly what they thought. They wanted Devin Singletary out there, and he dominated touches when it mattered with 24. But in this game, this feels like the passing games of the ones to target. So I'd be leaning into double stacks on either side of this, whether you're playing the short slate or whether you're playing the full six-game slate. I think there's plenty of potential on both sides of it. Um, and it's the wide receivers on Texas. It's the it's Amari Cooper and David Njoku on the Browns. And either of these quarterbacks are in play. We'll move on to the next game in just a second. But first, almost 90% of the people watching this channel in the last week are not subscribed. We've got so much Dynasty content. We've got DFS. We've got Best Ball Redraft. We do it all here. We're going to get you prepped for your rookie drafts. Rich is hard at work on the rookie guide. We've got so much mock draft content coming down the pipeline. Do me a really big solid and hit that subscribe button down below. Miami at Kansas City, 44-point over-under. And this one, I wouldn't be surprised if that over-under starts to drop a little bit because the weather looks bleak. It's going to be cold. There's potential for snow. And this just isn't a game that's really setting up for what these teams want to do. It's Tyree Kill's first game back in Kansas City since he left the Chiefs. The teams met in week nine, but that game was in Germany. The Chiefs scored 21 in the first half and then shut Miami out in the first half. But then in the second half, Miami scored 14 and shut the Chiefs out. It was not the explosive passing game which it was billed for when that game was announced. Both quarterbacks were held under 200 passing yards. Both quarterbacks didn't have any completions over 35 yards. And the Dolphins, this just feels like a situation where they're going to struggle. Their record against winning teams has been abysmal this year. They've only beaten one team that finished with a winning record. They're really banged up. Their centre, Connor Williams, who's excellent, one of the best centres in the league, is out. He's on IR. Their offensive line is just taking on water at every position. Meanwhile, you look, Jalen Waddle's banged up. Tyreek Hill's banged up. He hasn't broken 100 yards since week 13. Between week 5 to 13, the only team holding below 100 yards was Kansas City. So it becomes really difficult to say, okay, well, if the Dolphins are struggling in this cold weather environment and they're banged up, things aren't going well for them. And the one player who they could count on was Tyree Kill, who now they're really struggling to count on. Where Where's the offense coming from? Tua, he hasn't scored more than 16 fantasy points in the last five games. He last threw for 300 passing yards in week 11. So is it going to be a run-first approach? Devin Achan, he had 19 touches against the Ravens and then straight back to 10 last week against Buffalo. So can we count on him? I think it's going to be really tricky to decide which, if any, of the Miami running backs you could trust, even though that's the weakness that you want to target against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' run defense has been bottom five over the last six games of the season in run defense DVOA. So... I don't mind taking speculative shots at them in GPP formats or showdown ones. And obviously, Devin Achan is the guy who we know can just take anything to the house at any given moment. And Raheem Mostert, if he's healthy, is probably going to be the guy who gets the goal line work. So there is some value, but it's definitely not a safe bet. On the other side of this, Patrick Mahomes, 
just like Tua, completely struggling. One top 12 quarterback finish in the last nine games. He hasn't thrown for three passing touchdowns in a game since week seven. The big thing for him, though, is that he does rush more in the playoff games. And a lot of these kind of semi-mobile or mobile quarterbacks really do. When the games matter most, they just they can't help themselves. They have to get out of the pocket and scamper around. And Mahomes, he rushes for over 30 yards in like 50% of his playoff games across his career. And Mahomes has played in plenty of career playoff games. Isaiah Pacheco, he's at over 110 rushing yards in two of the last three games. With Jared McKinnon on IR, the Chiefs are just really leaning on him. He's at a 79% snap rate in games whilst McKinnon's been out. 55% root share, which is the fifth most among running backs. 5.3 targets per game. And it feels like if the Chiefs are going to beat the Dolphins, then they're going to need a good game out of Pacheco. They could also do with a really good game from Travis Kelsey, who's had the last three games, his tight end finish has been tight end 41, tight end 23, tight end 30. He's only scored five touchdowns all year. It's been brutal. One touchdown since week eight. If you're looking for hope, I just don't know how much hope there is because in his last three meetings with Vic Fangio, He's been held under 40 yards in all of them. Vic Fangio, the defensive coordinator for the Dolphins, he knows him from his time when he was playing, when he was coaching the Broncos, and he just seems to have Travis Kelsey's number. So all this kind of goes, okay, we can count on Pacheco perhaps, or maybe we just play Mahomes as a solo stack and stack him up with Rashi Rice, who's 560 yards from week 11 onwards, was second amongst all rookies. It was only behind Puka Nakua. It's 47 receptions since week 11, with 10 more than any other rookie. What we're also seeing with Rashi Rice now is he's getting the ball further downfield. We're getting to see his dot climb, and he's being used more in a way that he just wasn't earlier on in the season. It was all shallow depth of target stuff. It was only red zone stuff, but now we're expanding it right when it matters. It's also kind of worth noticing that last week, McCole Hardman, in the game when a lot of the starters didn't play, he was central to the Chiefs' game plan last week. He had 11 targets, caught six of them for 77 yards. Now, perhaps that means absolutely nothing, but McCall Hardman has played more playoff games than virtually any other wide receiver on the Chiefs. He's played with Mahomes a lot. Could we see McCall Hardman be scripted in their plays this week? So I don't mind taking dart throws on McCall Hardman. I think you can look at stacking Mahomes with Rashi Rice and Isaiah Pacheco. If Jalen Waddle plays, that's going to be huge for the Dolphins because he's really helped them downfield this year. But generally speaking, I'm struggling to get on board with Tua and Tyreek. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Bills are favoured by 10 in this one. It's a 36-point over-under, and the Mason Rudolph train rolls on. He's won all three games with when he's been the starter. And it's worth mentioning, of course, the Ravens did rest a huge amount of starters last week. And half his passing yards in that game pretty much came on one broken play where Deontay Johnson got loose and went for like 80 yards. So Rudolph Stein is absolutely the right choice for the Steelers. I don't think we should necessarily expect him to go in and pass all over Buffalo in another game, which is really going to be weather-affected. There's going to be potential snow in this one. There's going to be cold weather and a lot of side winds. And Buffalo Stadium 
is the most exposed stadium when it comes to side wins. If like the Ravens game against the Bills a couple of years ago in the playoffs still gives me nightmares, but it was just no offense possible for either team through the air that day. So that kind of tells me that this is possibly a game where George Pickens is going to struggle for it. We know George Pickens sees those deep downfield targets, those circus catches. And he had 15 targets in weeks 15 and 16 before last week in week 18. He had no targets whatsoever. He was just completely out of the game plan. And that was a day where the weather was really affecting things in the Ravens-Steelers game, probably more than any other game this year. The weather took control of it. So if the Steelers are going away from George Pickens on days like that, then I don't have much hope for him in this one. What I find interesting about a Steelers side of the ball is Najee Harris, who's had two games in a row over 110 rushing yards, scored touchdowns in three straight games. Jalen Warren, it's been much more up and down. He was the RB12 against Seattle in Week 17 and then the RB46 in Week 18. The Bills, they do allow a healthy amount of rushing yards per carry. You can see on screen there, 4.4 yards per carry. It's the joint seventh highest rate among all teams. So if I was going to play this game, I would lean into the idea that the Steelers managed to keep the game quite close and they lean on Najee Harris or Jalen Warren. Pat Fryermuth is a guy who I just can't play. You know, he scored 21 points in week 12, and then he scored 22 across the rest of the fantasy season. Mason Rudolph, his fantasy finishes have been QB 13, 27, and 28. So there's no need to be stacking him up. We haven't seen any kind of ceiling that would give us the tournament winning upside that we're looking for this week. Mink Fitzpatrick has said that he's going to play in this game, which is great for the Steelers' defense, really helps them. But, of course, TJ Watt is out, so it's hard to imagine that the Bills are going to be completely under pressure in a way that they would be if Watt was out there. Um, the Bills' defense has been improving as well, so it's like we should see a better overall performance from this team than we perhaps were seeing a few weeks ago where the offense was really carrying them. Josh Allen, he's had 417 rushing yards in eight playoff games. That's almost 52 per game. His career average in a normal game is 38. Again, he's one of these quarterbacks that when the games really matter, he puts it all on himself. He does his Superman mode, and he just makes plays happen. He's only had four games outside the top 10 quarterbacks all year. He's just been so consistent and reliable. He's easily the best quarterback of the week when it comes to DFS. Diggs. He had his best game since week 12 last week. It was only his second 15-point game since week 9. They seemed to really come into the game against the Dolphins with a game plan to move Diggs around. They used him on a lot more motion. They tried to get him away from Jalen Ramsey a lot more. And it would be nice to see them continue that. But I wouldn't be surprised if it just reverts back to what we've seen over the last month or two and Diggs has another quiet game. James Cook also had a quiet end of season. He had five points, 5.4, 8.2 over the last three. It really, it was a bit disappointing given what a breakout season he'd had. I mean, he finishes the RB11 in total points. I think you can go back to him here, but it's by no means the worst matchup for him. The Steelers, their run defense is a top 10 unit, but they have given up points to the running back position. They've allowed the 13th most of the position. Uh, Gabe Davis has a PCL sprain, so he's not a certainty to play. I mean, 
Gabe Davis, we all struggled with him. Three games with zero catches in his last five games, but he also had one game where he went six targets, four receptions, 130 yards, and a touchdown as well. So we know the ceiling is there, which makes it alluring to play for DFS. I think if you're looking for a cheaper option and possibly even a more reliable option, Khalil Shakir has had 13 targets in his last three games, and he's caught every single one of them. So I would not be afraid to plug Khalil Shakir into virtually any lineup. And then Dalton Kincaid really turned it around. He had a really quiet spell after Dawson Knox came back from injury. But then 15 targets in his last two games, he's kind of crept back up to that very relevant stage. And the Steelers, they're a good defense, as I mentioned, but they've allowed 15th most fantasy points to the tight end position. So they're very much a middle-of-the-road pack against it. In terms of how I'd love to attack this game, Josh Allen double stacks, possibly fading Stefan Diggs. Know that he's going to be Captain Superman when he needs to. And if you really want to play the Steelers side of it, I would prefer to play Deontay Johnson or Najee Harris. Green Bay at Dallas, 50.5 over under. The Cowboys are favored by seven and a half points, which might be being quite generous, to be honest. Like These are two teams that have passed a lot this year. Jordan Love passed for 4,159 passing yards. That Prescott for 4,516. 4, they both threw for over 30 passing touchdowns. It's just been fantastic for both of them. Through the air, they've both been able to do what they wanted. Jordan Love, he scored 18 PPR points in all of the last three games, passed for multiple touchdowns in eight of the last nine. And everything's just seemed to have clicked for him. He drives the ball downfield, which in turn makes the running back slightly less useful in the running in the receiving game. Aaron Jones, he's really struggled in terms of receiving work over the last few games. He did have 530 in week 18, but before that he was rarely getting above two per game. But Aaron Jones has made up for it by the fact that in his last three games, he's looked excellent. He's at 110 plus rushing yards in all three games. And the Cowboys, we know you can run on them at times. They seem to struggle against that much more than you'd expect considering how good their defensive line is. But they've given up the seventh fewest fantasy points to the running back position. But part of that is because teams just struggle to stay in the game and be able to run on them. But we've seen it at times, it was the Bills in particular, when you run on the Cowboys, they don't have the answers to it. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers tried, particularly early, to stay involved with the running game. In terms of the wide receivers, it's getting to the point where it's getting a little bit crowded and a little bit difficult. Romeo Dubs, though, he doesn't seem like a player I'd want to play. He only had one target last week. He's had only one game over eight points in his last five Christian Watson, he hasn't played since week 13. He had those two games where he had over 70 yards back-to-back and then re-aggravated a hamstring injury. It sounds like he's going to be pushing to play, but Christian Watson's hamstrings at the minute, they just feel like an absolute minefield. And if you're brave enough to play him, you might be rewarded with that super high ceiling outcome. But you just have to be aware of what kind of a dangerous play it is. Jaden Reed, he's been over 80 yards in back-to-back games, over 14 PPR points in his last four games and seven of the last eight. Jaden Reed is the wide receiver one in Green Bay for me. He's the player I'll be aggressively drafting next offseason. I mean, he's just, he's earned it. 
Dontavian Wicks, three touchdowns in his last two games. I think if I'm looking for a double stack here, it's Jordan Love with Dontavian Wicks, Jaden Reed, and play it through the two of them with C.D. Lamb as you bring back. C.D. Lamb's usage since the week seven bye has been absurd. He's a double-digit target gate in all but two games. He's had eight games this year with over 100 yards, and everything just seemed to click for him. He's become that true alpha, which we knew he could be. Meanwhile, the other Cowboys receivers, Gallup, he's had zero catches in his last two games. And if you go back to the bye week, this is where the Cowboys offense really changed. Brandon Cooks has had 54 targets to Michael Gallup's 22 since then. And Cooks is the clear wide receiver too. He's had back-to-back targets of eight games in both games, three touchdowns in a row. And if you're looking to stack the Cowboys side, you go, okay, well, can I fit in Dak with Lamb and Cooks and possibly Ferguson, who's had six-plus targets in six straight games? He's only had one touchdown in that spell, which has kind of let down his fantasy point output. But we know how good he is, and we know how much the Cowboys like to scheme plays to him. The Packers' defense... I mean, the Packers' defense is just terrible in general. They rank 26th against both the pass and the run in DVOA. Against the tight end position, they rank 26th. Against wide receivers, they rank 26th. Against running backs catching the ball, they rank 27th. It's a little tricky to really trust Tony Pollard, though. He's really struggled. Like last week, he had his first top 12 finish since week 13. But it was against the Commanders, and it seemed like the Cowboys were really trying hard to make a point of letting him get into the end zone for his touchdown. So, yes, the Packers were awful against the run. Yes, you could maybe play it that way. You could play Tony Pollard with Jordan Love stacks and try to access it from an idea that the Cowboys were in control of the game and letting Tony Pollard run it out against a poor run defense. And then playing the idea that Jordan loves passing heavily, but I think I prefer just the passing offense in general on both sides of the ball for this one. We've got two more games to go, and we're going to get to them in a second. Come on, help me out. Hit that subscribe button down below. We're going to carry on with DFS matchups all the way through to the Super Bowl. We've got mock drafts. We've got Dynasty rookie content. We've got rookie profiles. So much stuff. Help us help you win leagues in 2024. By far one of the most intriguing matchups of the week, LA Rams at the Detroit Lions, 51.5 over under, massive total on this game. The Rams, uh, three-point underdogs here, and this game could go either way. You know, Matthew Stafford going back to where he played for 12 years, Jared Goff faced off against a team who traded him to get Stafford, and when they felt that Jared Goff wasn't good enough to get them over the hump in the playoffs. This year, Jared Goff, he's from 4,575 yards, 30 touchdowns. Matthew Stafford, 3,965 yards and 24 touchdowns. Did miss a game with injury. He was banged up, but he's absolutely dealing at this point. Both teams, they've got excellent ground games and excellent pass catchers. It feels like they could attack things from a number of ways in this one. But both teams are excellent against the running back position when it comes to fantasy points. You can see there on screen, the Lions allow the fewest fantasy points to the running back position. And the Rams, they're second in that category. They allow the second fewest. So 
it's tricky because there are very few matchups this weekend which scream out great matchup for running backs. And obviously, Kyron Williams has been incredible. 95.3 rush yards per game, which is the most of any running back. He was second behind only Christian McCaffrey in rushing yards, despite the fact that he missed like four games or maybe five, including week 18. So you are going to have to play running back somewhere, and it will be ones who you possibly don't feel great about. So lean into the talent, lean into the narratives with them. Jameer Gibbs could easily be a player who catches plenty of balls in this game and gets there through that if you play into the idea that the Rams are in a kind of more uh, sorry, the lines are in a more pass-heavy script. Um, but in terms of passing games, Puka Nakua, week, six, week 18, the first time all season that he had less than seven targets, which means that's down screen there. He only He's only had six-plus targets in every game this year. But we know what he is. He's a volume hog. He's not coming off the field because he's excellent in both the run block game as well as the receiving game. Cooper Cup. He should have another good game here. The Lions allow the third most fantasy points, two slot receivers, and the, the Rams have kind of leaned into using Cooper Cup more predominantly from the slot again and getting Nakua out wide and further downfield at times when they've needed to. Jameson Williams is expected back, but Sam Laporte is likely going to miss out because of the knee injury he picked up in that meaningless Week 18 game. So I think this is a game where... Jameson Williams can have a good game. He's really showed stuff over the last few weeks, but I think as much as it pains me to say it, I'd be fading him on St. Brown in this one. I'd rather play the expensive wide receivers on the Ram side of it than Amon Ra. And I think that it's just going to be a tricky day for Jared Goff. But ultimately, loads of good ways to attack this one. I think if you're stacking either of these quarterbacks, You've got to be looking for double stacks. These pocket passer quarterbacks, and this goes back to Joe Flacco and even CJ Stroud. If they're not giving you anything through the rushing game, then you're kind of counting on two of the pass catchers to get there in order for them to be a payoff and come close to getting one of the kind of ceiling outcomes like Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes on this slate. Philadelphia at Tampa Bay, 43.5 over under. The Eagles favored by three. When these two teams met in week three, the Bucs, they blitzed Jalen Hurts a lot, and Jalen Hurts did not cope well. He ranks 27th in EPA versus the Blitz, 25th in completion rate, and it would not be surprising to see the Bucs just absolutely come after Jalen Hurts and see how much they can bother him with the Blitz again. The two defenses that are both good versus the run, Poor versus the pass. You see on screen there, Philly allow the most fantasy points to both quarterbacks and wide receivers. Tampa Bay allow the eighth most fantasy points to both quarterbacks and wide receivers. So the game script for this one sets up to be one where we can lean into the passing game again. And that's kind of where we've been at on a few of these games. So we will have to make uncomfortable choices on running backs, but the matchups are too good to ignore here. If A.J. Brown can be healthy, he faces easily one of the worst secondaries that he's come up against in the last few weeks, and he gets that extra day to help him. It sounds like he will do everything he can to play. If Devonta Smith is out there, I'd like to play Devonta Smith too. Even though like you know, this Eagles team has regressed, this sets up for them to get back on track. Uh, 
on the book side of things, Baker Mayfield, another player who's really banged up going through it. But this being the Monday night game, it gives him that extra day of rest to just kind of get healthier and hopefully be okay by then. Since December 7th, Chris Godwin is averaging a 28.6% target share. Before that point, he had a 20.7% target share. And the jump, well, it coincided perfectly with his, his wife going off it on Instagram about how the coaches weren't using him effectively. It is disappointing that he's only got three touchdowns this year, but he really seems to just be leaning into the kind of reliable pass catcher role that he was over the last few years. And Baker Mayfield has got on the same page for him now. Mike Evans, again, it's perfect matchup for him to get back on track. We know the Eagles can't stop anything through the air. If you're looking for a dart throw, Trey Palmer, he's had five plus targets in three last three straight games. I like him. I would prefer him over K Dotton, who he's only had two double digit games all year, none since week four. There's games where he scored touchdowns and he still fails to clear 10 points. Rashad White, I like playing Rashad White this week purely because we know that he can get out as an actual pass catching running back, not just somebody taking dump offs. And also, he said 19-plus rush attempts in seven of the last nine games. The Bucs are giving him huge volume. They believe in him, and we should too. I feel better about him than I do about DeAndre Swift on the other side of the ball because it just seems like at times the Eagles revert back to that timeshare. You know, in the four-minute offense, it's always going to be Kenneth Gainwell at times or, you know, Boston Scott mixing in, whereas Rashad White is dealing with, like, Chase Edmonds, Sean Tucker, people we just don't have to worry about. So, yeah, I think I would prefer to play this game with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and then Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. If I can make that stack work, even if it means playing some running backs I'm slightly uncomfortable about in other games, then I'll absolutely lean into it. There's loads of ways to attack it, though. It's, it's going to be a fun one. I think in general this weekend when we're looking at the games, lean heavily into narratives, say, okay, this is the game that I believe is going to shoot out. Heavy onslaught of that stack. Don't worry about games, you know, if you don't feel good about the Chiefs game because of the weather or the Bills game because of the weather. Take a hard fade on it. Don't get caught up going, okay, it's a snow game. It could be a huge running day. Everybody thinks that as soon as the weather's bad. Instead, just go, okay, well, which environments do I know could be really fruitful for passing? Stick to them, let it all come together, watch yourself climb up those leaderboards and get into the cash. We will be back next week for the next round of playoff games. We've got mock drafts coming on Monday, more Dynasty content. If you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, hit the like button. If you've got any fantasy questions, leave them in the chat below. I will always answer 100% of your questions.